What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Roll that beautiful bean footage. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. What's up? What's going on out there? Podcast land. So yeah, I used to live in Nashville. I was there for 12 years and then uh, I moved over to Los Angeles, which actually I'm I'm from California. So it was somewhat of a homecoming. But in the past year, I don't know, man. I feel like the universe is trying to say, go back to Nashville and just hear me out. Okay. Because LA is beautiful. California is amazing. So yeah, we got the pandemic. Okay. That was everywhere. So that's not just can't put that one on, on Los Angeles, right? And then uh, what happened? Oh, fires. Ev- Lo- Los Angeles, just soot and smoke. A lot of fires, all right? Can't breathe. There's already fog and smog and, I don't know, other deadly pollutants. So not great. And then uh, two nights ago, giant earthquake. I'm starting to think that God's saying, hey, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? Go back to Nashville. However, Nashville got nailed by tornado and floods. I don't know, man. I just want to know what chapter of Revelations we're in, just so I know what's next. Are frogs going to fall on us? That's one, right? Frogs fall on us. There's a locust situation. And then all the firstborns out there. Sorry to my big brother. Finally, the baby's getting the respect he deserves. Speaking of Nashville, I'm very excited for today's episode because we have a Nashville native on. Well, actually, no. From California, and then he moved to Nashville for music, and he's actually married to someone who lives in Los Angeles. Am I interviewing myself? No? All right. He's got a new album out called 2,000 Miles, which is exactly how long it takes for you to drive your sorry, sad ass from Nashville to Los Angeles. He got his first guitar when he was 14 years old as a Christmas gift. His uncle started teaching him some country guitar chords. Actually took him to his first show ever, which was a sold-out George Strait show when he was eight years old. 
The current single on this new record has over 200 million spins, which I that's a lot from what I understand. He's toured with Brett Young, Justin Moore, Dustin Lynch, Sam Hunt, Brett Eldridge, Cole Swindell, Dan and Shay, and so many more. I'd say he's the next big thing in country, but I think he already is. So coming up on this episode of The Wells Cast, we're going to have the one, the only, Mr. Tyler Rich, a show you do not want to miss. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. All right, back on the Wells cast, I have on the show, Tyler Rich. How are you, man? What's up, man? I'm so good. Thanks for having me. It's really cool to have you on the show to kind of talk about this new album, 2000 Miles, because albeit our stories are completely different, they are very similar when it pertains to this particular record. And so I was reading kind of like the album notes and it was basically 2000 Miles signifies door to door between your house in Nashville and your fiance or your girlfriend, your now wife's house in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. Uh, night 1,996 miles. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Which is not easy to say. So we, we obviously went the, the, the good route 2000. I remember this. I dated my fiance for two years. Yeah. For like a year and a half, two years while I was still in Nashville and I was flying out to LA every chance I got. So something that like really resonates with me for you how much of this record is a labor of love? I mean, so all of it really, I mean, cause you think like it's been, I left California. I, so I was, I lived in LA, I was in Sherman Oaks and then everything in music kind of started to pick up and I immediately was like, all right, cool. So moved to Nashville and then 
a year later, almost to the day, uh, I met Sabina and she was in LA. And I was like, of course, I finally find somebody I vibe with that I would want to actually, you know, spend time with steadily. And she's 2000 miles away, right where I moved from. And then so immediately then, dude, 2016 in May is when the 2000 miles back and forth started. And in that time, I got my record deal. I recorded all these songs. I wrote all these songs, plus, you know, a thousand others. Um, the entire just creation of this work of, of these 11 songs was spent either recording in L.A. And it wasn't even just the love thing, man. It was, you know, I, I even finished the album in quarantine in L.A., 2000 miles from my producer who was in Nashville. But as soon as quarantine started, I was like, all right, I got to be with my wife. So I can't be doing this. I can't be hiding in Nashville. So I, I flew out not knowing how long it was going to last. And then like, well, we got to finish this album. So he sent microphones and all sorts of stuff, 2000 miles to LA. And I set it up, um, you know, kind of like your studio. I set it up in our spare bedroom in LA and I was like, all right, cool, man. It's all set up. What do I do? How do I get any of this stuff to work? I don't know what I'm doing. And, and we did just like this, man. We, we did a, FaceTimes and Zooms and um, everything we could possibly do to get it down. And, you know, other musicians did it just like this in their quarantine studios. And we, we got it done. <laughs> it was crazy. That's crazy to hear because I was listening to it before I called you. And it doesn't sound like you weren't in a very professional recording studio. You know, it sounds really, really crisp. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, especially number one which is the everybody's, you know, obviously going to be their first reaction to the whole album is number one. And that song feels like home. Ironically, it's called feels like home because that is one that we did. Every single musician did it from their own houses. Um, that was the last song we recorded from scratch. And, but then if you go to like number two, we recorded half of that in Nashville in studios and then half of it at home. Um, but yeah, man, my, my producer is just amazing. I'm, I'm lucky I get to work with him and he kills it. And I was, I was super nervous, man. I was like, dude, if we're going to finish this album, this thing I've been working on for so long and we're going to do it this way, I mean, is it even worth it? And he's like, dude, in Nashville, it is such a thing that you still do the traditional. Everybody goes in the studio, plays at the same time. You, you know, you record everything and then you pick what you like. And he's like, but dude, in LA, he goes, if we lived in LA right now, we'd be recording it this way anyways. And he's like, this is how I build the records. And it's, I, I promise you, it's going to be amazing. And uh, neither of us could be happier, man. We're so pumped. Can I play a little bit of Feels Like Home? Because I want to hear what you can do now from separate houses and <laughs> yeah. still put out an amazing record. So I'm just going to play just a little bit because, well, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> I mean, as official, I don't think you ever have to leave home anymore because that sounds so good. I would never know that you guys all weren't in like RCA Studio V on Music Row or something, you know, like that's bonkers. I love it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. You talked about it. I mean, obviously, this whole, whole record is kind of dedicated to you going back and forth between Nashville and Los Angeles. And a big part of that is your now wife, Sabina. You kind of touched on it that you guys met back in 2016. What was that like? Did you guys meet at a show or like were you set up on a date or was it like a Raya situation? Like how did that work? Um, so full disclosure, because she knows this, I had actually just gotten on Raya and um, I, I had just gotten off this tour with Dustin Lynch and it was a four month full U.S. tour and 
everything. I didn't have a record deal yet or anything, but I just did like one of the biggest tours you could do unsigned. And so I was confidence at an all time high, you know, and we went to uh, right after that tour ended, I was at Stagecoach just for fun and wasn't performing. And I was on Raya. And when you're at, on Raya at Stagecoach, you know, it's just like, what do you can? Oh, my God, you should just delete the app because it'll drive you crazy, you know. And, and then uh, I had met up with a couple people just to say hi from that app. And then but on Friday, not using the app at all, I saw Sabina on the side of the stage watching the sh- watching an artist play. And I <laughs> I was, had just gotten there. I wasn't drunk enough. The confidence wasn't at an all time high yet. And I told my buddy, I was like, man, I know her from somewhere and I don't know where, but it's going to drive me crazy. And from touring, I was like, man, maybe she's here with maybe she's here with another artist that I know that's she's backstage for obvious reasons. Maybe I should not talk to this person, but I do know her from somewhere. And so I was like, I'll see her again. So the two days go by. I don't see her. I meet a couple girls off Raya, you know, quickly. Um, and then Sunday, I'm watching Dustin Lynch on the stage, like on the on the side. And I look out in the pit and he was playing at sunset, like golden hour on Sunday. So it's almost full capacity. And somehow I see her in the pit with her friends. And I was like, dude, we're going in right now. I missed my chance two days ago. This is it. And just like the old days, man, I walked up and I introduced myself. And it was strange because I hadn't, if you want to call it hitting on, I haven't hit on a girl that way. I hadn't probably years, you know, the internet made everything so easy and casual. And I recognized her. So I was like, that's what I'm going in with. And uh, I placed myself just kind of right in front of her and her friends and tried to have the best time possible. I was like, Alex, I need you to jump around, have as much fret. We got to look like the funnest dudes in this pit right now. And that her friends are going to be like, we have to hang out with these guys. And so we're jumping around, hitting each other and singing and just, you know, taking shots out of a we had this bottle in my bag. And we kept just like taking pulls off this bottle and um and then, yeah, I just turned around. I was like, hey, I was like, do I know you from somewhere? You're, you're very familiar. And she just said the same thing back to me in the worst way to ever. She's like, I don't know. Do I know you from somewhere? And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, is this going well or bad? And then we <laughs> talked for a few minutes and then she just left. Dude. She just took off. And um, the, I spent the rest of the night trying to find her. And then the next day I had gotten her name. So the next day I slid into her DMs um, like the current way to hit on people. And that started a conversation. And she had just been getting out of a relationship and was super nervous and just like, oh, I can't talk to this guy right now. And But the coolest part is if uh, on Spotify, if you watch it on your phone and you go to the song Real Love, it is uh, the, the canvas that plays on Spotify, just like that eight second clip, is her Snapchat at Stagecoach seconds before we met. And her and her friends are like partying and she's like selfie mode in this camera. And you see my friend and I jumping up and down behind her before we met. And it's like seconds before though. And so it's a lot of the fans know that video at this point. So it's kind of like a little Easter egg uh, for the ones that are on Spotify and notice it. And yeah, man, so try to be brave. It didn't work. But then uh, the Instagram DM is what got us to where we are <laughs> now. That is amazing. And also Stagecoach really is just truly a wonderful place in the world for love. Absolutely. <laughs> I love so, it. So I was going through the, the track listing of this new record it seems like the difference is the song that is, I don't know, making a difference for you. It's got something like 47 million spins on it. Did you know that was going to be kind of like the big hit on it? Yeah, so that was that was our first single. Um, so that was one of the first songs we recorded uh, before ever even talking about albums or anything like that. As soon as we got, as soon as I got the record deal and started, you know, going through songs and writing way more songs than I had. The difference was the one that we had singled out. Like, this is going to be the first single. This is the one that 
feels different enough that right away people will hopefully be hooked in. Um, and that was the first song that went to radio. It's also the song that's been out the longest. And so we did, I mean, we had high hopes it would do that from the beginning. And when I do look at that catalog like you are now and I see what's popular, like what's starting to grow, um, it is cool to see because like, man, thank God we chose that song first because then I might not be where I'm at right now if I didn't. And it's it's absolutely crazy because it says 40 whatever million on Spotify, but as a whole, it's like almost at 200 million right now across different channels. And that just blows my mind every time I even think about that. That's freaking awesome. Is this your first full length? I've seen a couple of EPs out, but is this your first full length? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And what we wanted to do with that was take songs we had already released and then uh, grab a few new ones and then put it all together so that when somebody does go to my Spotify or something that they can, that there isn't a bunch of random stuff they have to choose to pick from, that it's just kind of like in one place is one, I released a few chapters and now here's the book kind of thing. Were you apprehensive about putting out an LP like kind of during this pandemic? Cause you can't tour behind it right now. Yeah. And, and that's, what's hard because it's, it's terrifying, right? The, you know, you can only use the internet so much. We, we have so many followers, but then there's algorithms and you're like, how am I going to make sure all these people hear this? And, um, it was scary, but you know, we had a plan and we decided to stick with it. It was kind of one of those things where we're like, well, if we can, if we're going to record it from home and we can figure out how to do that and it can sound good, then we can do anything from home as of now. And let's just get it out. And because the last thing we wanted was to come out of quarantine when we do get to start touring again. And then it'd still just be the old stuff that everybody had and there not be some cool, exciting incentive other than people missing live music, but another incentive to be like, man, we got to see Tyler again because we miss live music and he's got all this new badass music. And so that was our goal. And it seems to be working. I guess we won't know until it starts. <laughs> new album's called 2000 Miles. You can listen to it anywhere, I guess, where you can listen to music. The whole record is phenomenal. So everyone out there needs to go check it out. I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get to the meat of this show, which is origin stories, where we find out how you kind of got here. Are you down for that? Yeah, man, absolutely. All right, quick break. We come back, Kyler Rich on The Wells Cast. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. 
Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. All right, back in the Wells cast, Scott, singer, songwriter, performer, Tyler Rich on the show. He's got a new record out right now called 2000 Miles. The, uh, the first single has millions and millions and millions of downloads and streams. The song's called The Difference, but also like Lever Wild's doing really well and Feels Like Home, Still Love You. So this might be a record that has multiple hits on it. That's always the goal. We will see. <laughs> Lieber Wild has done um, incredible things for us, especially as never being because, you know, the difference was on country radio and uh, Lieber Wild is was not. And so it's it's kind of our I guess you would say our our cult followings favorite song, like the the people that come and go crazy. They, they treat it almost as if it is a radio single. And it's been uh, one of our biggest for sure, especially live. All right, so let's get into the, the meat of the show because I'm just fascinated. I don't know if anyone told you. But I'm fascinated with how successful people get to where they are and what steps you had to take, what things you had to do, what sacrifices needed to be made to get to this point to have, you know, over 200 million spins on a single on a new record. So if you don't mind, let's go back in time. The record's called 2,000 Miles, so it sounds like you were going back and forth between Los Angeles and Nashville, but you're originally a NorCal kid, right? Correct, yeah. Uh, so I was born and raised in a little city called Yuba City. It's uh, about an hour north of Sacramento on the way to Chico. One thing that I think a lot of people don't realize about California, when you think California, you think of like surfers and, and, and whatnot, but I mean, I grew up. I grew up in Monterey. I went to well, I went to school in Salinas, where it's an ag town. So there's a lot of, for lack of a better term, cowboys out there. And so there is a big country music kind of thing. Is that how it is up in Yuba? Is there some California cowboys? Oh man, yeah, absolutely. I mean, California is. I mean, you said it best. When people think of California, they think of San Francisco and L.A. and beach towns. And so it's. Whereas, and we're almost the entire West Coast, you know, and we go very, we, you know, a couple hundred miles in and it's just nothing but a giant valley of farms, you know. And so you just said if you were to land in Sacramento and then drive up, you drive north on the highway, you're going to just drive through nothing but farmland. And like my entire hometown is ag heavy as it gets. I mean, you name it. We, I mean, from like rice, peaches, tomatoes, everybody was farmers. But, you know, at the same time, it was like we kind of, we were a hub, you know, we were close to a beach, you know, a couple hours from a beach, a couple hours from the mountains, a couple hours from a big city. And so you do get all these influences coming in, you know, we're, we were a hub of genre as well. Like in high school, we all listened to rock, hip hop, country. My mom was really big into country when I was growing up. And so was my uncle who taught me how to play. And so, you know, I was 14, I finally got my first guitar and I would just jam with my uncle for hours. Anytime we had family get togethers, Christmas barbecues, didn't matter. We'd bring our guitars and we would just jam and when you're learning how to play on an acoustic and you're just learning sing-along stuff, some of the easiest and best stuff to sing is old rock and roll and country songs. Like whether that's Creedence Clearwater, Tom Petty, The Beatles, uh, or Garth Brooks, Brooks and Dunn, George Strait, Alan Jackson. And so all at the same time, my world was getting 
blended into what are the best songs for singer-songwriters to sit down with the guitar and make a room have fun and sing along. And it was country, you know? And so that's where my love for live music and actually performing came from. Yeah, man. Just three chords and the truth, right? That's all you need. Always. <laughs> okay. So you're 14 years old. You're hanging out with your uncle. You guys are playing some Creedence Clearwater or Tom Petty or whatever. Was there a moment where you were like, this is what I'm going to do? Or was it like, this is fun to do, but I'm going to go to college and, and get a business degree and sell insurance? Or What was the route that you took from 14 on? Yeah, I already knew in my brain before I even started doing it that that's what I was going to do. Um, I had already made up my mind just watching my uncle play. Uh, before I knew if I was even good enough to do it yet, I had made up my mind. I was like, I'm going to be in a band, uh, which is why I ended up getting the guitar. And then, you know, high school was me. You know, there's 10 dudes that play instruments at my high school because it's a small town. And so you find the guy that plays drums, you find the guy that plays guitar, and then you get in a garage and how loud can we turn these amps up? You know, and then it was Green Day and Blink-182 and just anything we could do. And then it was performing in our high school quad to performing in barn parties to like doing punk rock versions of Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places, like you name it. We were just every weekend playing in the mall, playing anywhere we could and always terrible. You know, so, so bad, but we would we'd get to play and that was every single show just, you know, it, it pushed gets you that much more excited about what could happen. When I graduated high school, I joined a band that ended up getting a, a we got a record deal when I was 18. They were already a band that was kind of doing their own thing in Sacramento. And so I was like, all right, I got to go to the big city, you know, and found some guys that were killing it and they needed a guitar player. And so I joined that band as a guitar player. And then within six months, I was the singer and then we got a record deal with a label, an indie label through Sony. Toured for three years or so, did Warp Tour, did like every, all that kind of stuff. Some random drug stuff and whatnot led me to being like, I shouldn't be in this situation, I should remove myself. And so I quit and then went back to school. The thing is like my grandparents were always like, Tyler, you know, and my mom, I don't know why I always say just my grandparents, you know, my mom and my grandparents were so, so supportive. And they're like, hey, we will, when you're on tour, we will pay your car payment. We'll pay like your electricity, whatever at your house. So you have a place to come home to as long as if this doesn't work, you go back to school or while you're on the road, you can find online classes from places and try to continue your education. And so when I was doing online classes for a couple of years, when that band broke up, I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to school while I figure out what I'm going to do with music in the back of my head. And then so I did get a degree. That was a community college. I graduated from there. And then I started another band before I went to, you know, a university toured with that band for a couple of years. Uh, that band broke up. And then so I was like, all right, promised my grandparents, here I go, went back to school again. And then that was, dude, I, I got a degree in economics at Sacramento State University. When I graduated, I somehow, I mean, economics is way harder than it sounds and it sounds hard. <laughs> you know, it was <laughs> like, my, I, by the time I went back to school to university, I think I was probably like 24, 25 or something. And I went into my counselor and I was like, all right, so I got this, associate's degree in business admin. What do I do now? Cause I can't get, I can't start the bachelor's program in business because it was impacted now and I needed more classes. And she's like, well, you know, you also have an associate's in economics. I don't know if you know that, but you have one and you, you did really good in those courses. And if you did that, you'd be able to get out in probably three semesters if you did 18 to 21 units. And she's like, and in my opinion, that's a better degree. You should just chase that. And I was like, well, she said so, let's do it. And so I took 18 to 21 units of econ for a year and a half straight, including summer and winter, because I knew I wanted to play music, but I needed to finish uh, at the same time. I graduated and I got offered this job that working as a financial advisor uh, for the state for, at the capital of California. 
to me, it was like the first time I'd been offered health insurance. The first, and you know, I was like 25. Now I'm off my mom's and there was benefits and the pay was crazy, but I promised myself that I was like, no, I'm going to move to LA when I graduate, no matter what bands obviously haven't worked for me. I'm going to, I'm going to try the solo artist thing. I turned down the job politely and I moved to Sherman Oaks. And then as soon as I got down there, uh, I just started meeting any and everybody I could. I started writing with these writers and producers from Universal that were writing for plugs for other artists and whatnot. And in that process of all these, I always call them blind date rights. When you don't know people, you just walk in a room and awkwardly try to write music with them. I found some just incredible talents that I'm still just so close with today. And this is obviously the very nutshell version of my story. This is, there was all sorts of crazy random dead end roads in this whole process. But once I found like my click in LA that time around, we started writing and all this stuff for other people. And somebody finally asked me, like I'd almost mentally understood that, man, maybe I'm just going to be writing songs for other people. Like maybe this is what it's come down to. And finally somebody was like, Hey man, what do you want to do? We've been writing all these songs that are getting some like heat, you know, from these different producers, but like, what do you want? And I was like, man, I was, I've just been writing all these songs, these like singer songwriter stuff. And I love country. I've thought about taking that route. And everybody was just like super excited. And they're like, dude, can we do that with you? And so we just started writing music. And I guess it was 2014 or 50, yeah, 2014, I released my first single as a solo artist called Radio. And that is way down at the bottom of that. <laughs> what date does that say? 2014, you're right. Yeah. And so we just put it up on, you know, random things like Spotify and honestly, I don't even know if Spotify was around yet, <laughs> but we did like Reverb Nation and I got to say, as a guy who came from radio, uh, it's a genius play because you want to put songs on the radio that's pro radio because there's a lot of people who are anti-radio and then also mm -hmm. you use the word radio in promo a lot and then you steal <laughs> that from songs in the promos and so i remember going through and like finding old songs and like finding people that said the word radio just like so i could put it in old promos so that was a smart uh start my man <laughs> So XM, the highway uses uh, the first line of Lever Wild says, if you find a girl uh, like hands up halfway out on the highway. Uh, and if you if you ever listen to the highway, you'll hear it just go like Boom, on the highway. Yeah, and that's my line from uh, Lever Wild. Yeah. So we put out Radio Man and it it got some steam in California. And I, I went and I started playing some shows back home in Sacramento at a country bar that had just opened up called Goldfield. And. I created these little business cards that didn't look like business cards. They looked like promo cards, but just business shaped, like small. And it was my picture on the front and on the back, it said, follow me on Instagram and I will DM you a link to a free song. And I would, if I was getting to open for Cole Swindell or some big country artist and Sam Hunt in Vegas, Cole Swindell in Sacramento were a couple of my first ones. I would go to the line ahead of time, knowing that those are the people that'll be in front of the stage first. And I just one by one, hey, what's up? I'm Tyler, I'm the opener. Check out this card, check out this card. What's up, I'm Tyler, the opener, check out this card. And by the end of the show, well, as soon as the show would start, all those people I met are now in the front of the stage and I've already said hi to them. So it was kind of like, hey, what's up, friend? Nice to see you again, more than like, oh, who the hell is this random dude on stage? And then, man, my Instagram, because of doing that and then me going to Stagecoach, you know, a couple years before the trip where I met Sabina, but 
I used to walk around stagecoach with like 5,000 5, of these things. And I'd walk up to people and it wasn't a lie in my brain because I truly believed it. I was like, if I could blow up enough right now, I will play next year. So I would walk around and tell people, hey, I'm playing stagecoach next year. They let, they're letting me promote ahead of time. Here's a free download to my song. And you couldn't get free streaming music on Spotify yet, you know? So here's a free download to my song. Here's And I would walk around just thousands of them. And then out of nowhere, all of a sudden, now my Instagram, I have like 30,000 people. And I'm, you know, and then that turned into 50, that turned into 70, into 100. And then that's when all of a sudden I started getting, um, and that was like, you know, a year, year and a half of me handing out thousands of those cards. And eventually, you know, that led to some attention from Nashville and I got hit up by some management companies and whatnot. And I went and visited the town for the first time, May 2000 or uh, St. Patty's day, 2015. And I went alone for five days and if you're ever going to end up in a city like Nashville for the first time, you're going to be alone, like St. Patty's Day or one of those type of drinking holidays. I mean, as soon as I landed, I was like, holy shit, I have to live here. This is it. What am I doing in Sherman Oaks? <laughs> Do you remember where you partied in Nashville on St. Patty's? Was it Midtown? Was it Lower Broad? Was it East Side? It, where was it? It was everywhere. You know, I was hopping around like a little kid in a candy store. I'd never seen anything like it. You know, I was just like... I showed up that day and I played a, a cover set at South that used to be on Demumbrian. Yeah. And uh, I played for, you know, like an hour and a half on that little stage just doing cover songs. And and then so uh, like a couple people came up to me like, yo, dude, you're really good. What, uh, who are you? What are you doing? And I was like, oh, man, I'm here from California. I just, you know, flew in today for a couple of meetings. I, I don't really know anything. And like, well, you should hang out with us. And so they kind of just hopped me around and showed me all, all you know, they took me downtown and went to Rippy's and tootsies and like all that crap down on broadway and just um i fell in love with the city and then i just spent a few days going to meetings and whatnot and um i know i mentioned going on tour with dustin lynch earlier but that first big meeting i had was with dustin lynch and justin moore's uh managers i went in there and dustin ends up being at that meeting and he's like dude we've been watching you you know we saw you you know your little instagram cover of my song mind reader and we saw this this that and we think you got it, man, but you you don't got it in California. I know that it's an entertainment capital, but you can't do what you want to do in country music there for now. And so I took that meeting and I took some other ones and they just felt right. You know, they felt genuine. They felt hungry and excited. And then so I, uh, I signed with that company, you know, a couple months later, but it only took me three weeks to move to Nashville. I went home and I told my roommate, I was like, hey, dude, I'm sorry. I, I got to go. Like, I got to break the lease and I'll pay for whatever that that costs. Um and I grabbed my dog and drove 2,000 miles straight across the country alone and moved there with not knowing anything. And it was terrifying and exciting all at the same time. And, you know, it probably took like, I guess, a year of riding with people in Nashville and whatnot. And then Dustin's like, dude, these are your eight best songs. This is a great 30 minute set. Let's turn this into an acoustic set. And I want you to come out and open for me on this tour. And then so that's when I did that, the Hell of a Night tour. Then shortly after that, I met Sabina. Then a year later, I got my record deal. And I know it kind of sounds like boom, 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 this is just how it happened. But I mean, I'm also 34. And so <laughs> from that first band when I was 19 to now, that's 15 years. And um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the nutshell. Yeah. Overnight success only took 15 years, right? 100%. <laughs> Okay, so I do want to kind of go back and delve into the things that like in my mind was like, okay, hold on, that's interesting, that's interesting. The first band that you were in in high school with the people that just could play music, what was the name of the band? We were called, the first one was called Flatline. 
<laughs> yeah. The second one was called MIA, Missing in Action. Is that the one that you did like Warp Tour with and there was like drugs and bad yeah. shit going on? Also, I was not the drugs, you know, but you yeah. know, there was just like so much you're surrounded by when you're in that world. And I realized <laughs> I was like, this is not what I need to be in the middle of. Um, no, that band was called 10 Falls Forth. Then I was in a band called Talk of the Town. That was the last band. I was also in a band called Fallen by Fate. If you've ever heard of an emo name more than Fallen by Fate. Or that could also be like a Christian band name as well. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. okay, hold on. I want to guess what these are. So is it Flatline? Flatline. Flatline is emo. MIA is like a little bit of goth punk. Fallen by Faith was your was your Christian band, and then uh, then you finally and then you finally fell into country music. Am I even close? So Flatline was Flatline. We played a couple shows. One was in our friend's backyard. Um, Flatline was like P.O.D. Papa Roach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we were fifteen. Papa Roach is from Sacramento. They were blowing up. Like Last Resort was the biggest song in the world. You know, and it was that style. M.I.A. was like. Blink-182, mm -hmm. um, pop-punk, kind of fun, happy, you know, rock, pop-rock music. Fallen by Fate um, was not Christian emo, but more like screamo, like yeah. the used Take Back Sunday kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because every year of high school, a different wave of t a type of music became super popular. And then so bands would break up and then be like, "Let's well, what's our band of the junior year going to sound like? You know, what's our band of senior year going to sound like? Um, and it always kind of came in waves of whatever was popular at the time. Then I was in a band called Ten Falls Forth, uh, and Ten Falls Forth was like Fallout Boy meets melodic rock, like Hot Water Music, if you've ever heard of them. Um, that was the band that we toured a lot in, and that was Ten Falls Forth. That one was the hardest one to define what the music sounded like. It was kind of very much our own thing, but it lived in that world. And are you the lead singer of all these projects? So Tim Ballsworth, we had two singers um, and we did the back and forth kind of thing. Yeah. Um, my voice was super high. It was, you know, we we're like 18, 19. And that was when you're like, how high can you sing? You know, if you're, how, how can you get your voice up um, in like that pop punk era? And but the ones in high school, it was always kind of the same thing. Yeah. Like, guitars in the front, microphones in the front and the singing would go back and forth. Interesting. I haven't really de dove into my brain about these old bands in quite a while. <laughs> Everything and all your past experiences create your current self, right? And like all those things made you into this thing. It's super interesting that you ended up kind of going the country route. Was anyone like, what are you talking about? What you want to do country? I, you haven't been in really any of these country in a country band. Was anyone like, mm, I don't think this is a good idea? No, because it's it was because they always knew me, they always knew what I listened to and what I love to play. Um, what's funny with Tin Falls Fourth is that. We would, there was a couple of times when, you know, power would go out at venues because our amps would be so loud and you're playing these like dirt holes and generators would blow and then we'd have to wait 10 minutes for power to come back on. So the other singer in Tin Falls Worth with, uh, with myself, we loved country and the other two guys hated it. And so we'd be at these rock shows and power would go out and we'd just have our guitars and we would just bust out Garth Brooks covers, random stuff for this crowd. And it was always so cool because you know, the right country songs everybody knows and loves, regardless of whether you like country. And my friends always, because my middle name is Michael. And so all of my 20s, my friends used to always call me Ty Michaels. Like, like anything ever country related, or if I would turn on the radio, if we're driving somewhere and I'd put on a country song, oh shit, Ty Michaels is out. Here comes Ty Michaels. Always. So then when 
when I did, you know, start the solo career thing and I was like, yo, I'm, I'm going to do this country project full on, you know, it didn't sound different than anything I'd been writing. It's just more the production and then maybe some of the lyrical content was really what, you know, kind of shifted that direction. But it always still sounded like me. And it was the it was the easiest thing in the world. There wasn't really ever even many questions. When I put out that first song, people were radio, people just loved it. And like, dude, this is great. Hell yeah. And it, it just all kind of naturally happened. How come you didn't have your country persona be Tyler Michaels? Because like, <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds so bad. <laughs> and honestly, I'd be lying if I said I didn't consider it. You know, yeah. like Ty Michaels, Tyler Michaels. If I were to walk on stage and say, hey guys, I'm Ty Michaels, I would probably hate myself. <laughs> I don't, it just sounds terrible. It sounds so cheesy. You can do what Garth Brooks did. With he had the the alter ego, you can do it. Yeah. Oh my God. What's his alter ego called? Uh, Chris Gaines. Yeah. <laughs> his hair straightened down in his face in the middle. Like it's the best. What a like what a cool thing he did. So did you ever do anything with that econ degree or what happened there? No, nah, man. Just I guess in you know my regular everyday life, I use it for I don't know making sure I don't that I'm, I'm smart with my money and my resources, I guess. Um, it's always cool to know I have it and whatnot. And I've got a lot of, you know, good friends still that I went to college with. Um, the goal is never have to use it. And, uh, to, and as of right now, we're good, but I've always got it, you know. It's a nice fallback on plan, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You said something about you going to Stagecoach, passing out the, the business cards and saying, hey, I'm going to play Stagecoach next year. And I want you to hear a song, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Did you play Stagecoach next year? No, I did play Stagecoach last year, though, for the first time. Okay. Uh, 2019. So you did kind of will it into existence. Yeah, it took it took a little longer yeah. than than next than next year, three years in a row. But I was not handing out the cards that year that I met Sabina. Could you imagine? Hey, here you go. Here's a free <laughs> download. Do I know you from somewhere? Dude, the coolest thing in the world, though. Coolest thing ever. It made me cry like a baby. So... I was playing Stagecoach Friday, 2019, and we were closing the um, the Sirius XM stage. Uh, they've only, they've done it, I think, one year now where it's in front of the main stage because so many people don't come to the main stage till later at night. So the artists that were playing from 12 to 4 on the main stage would be playing to nobody in the front and maybe people in the beer garden, you know, like a mile away. So they built this like big satellite stage right in the middle of GA for the main stage. And uh, so that's where they put the acts that would play from 12 to 4. And so we played that 4 o'clock slot right before the main stage started behind us. And there was, dude, there was probably like 15,000 people just like right in front of the stage. Like everybody singing just, especially because it's the California Country Festival. That was like my California Country dreams coming true. And while I'm performing, I see all these little hands like spread out amongst this giant pit holding up those cards. Wow. From years, from years before. And I, I mentioned it on stage because I saw a couple of them. And I was like, raise your hand if any of you guys have gotten a card from me at any time, you know, either at Stagecoach or at some other show in California over the past couple of years. And it was just so many people. And I was like, dude, guerrilla marketing, like the old school street time, street team style marketing actually works. <laughs> people can get so lazy. You know, I can be so lazy because of the Internet now. But it's like that human connection, you know, that that few seconds that you can talk to somebody and really just connect uh, and make a memory. It works. 
It's actually quite genius because you do that and then all of a sudden it humanizes the person. It's so easy to ignore the opener. I've been to enough shows where people are getting drinks. They're not really giving a shit and, you know, this, that, and the other. They're waiting for their favorite act to come on. But the second that you make the fan realize that you're like this tangible, real human, and now they've got skin in the game because they know you, you know, like you actually talk to them. It completely yeah. changes how they're perceiving that. And then all of a sudden, because you're a real person in their life, it's almost like it raises the stakes for them because then they can say, I knew him back when or whatever, you know? It's a really, really yeah. smart way to, to do it. And it's also, it's got to be a very scary thing to do because one, like going up to strangers just in general is tough, but, but then also putting yourself out there being like, hey, here's, you know, here's this card I'm playing first. Must have taken a lot of courage to go to thousands of people. Because, you know, people can be assholes and be like, I don't give a shit. I'm here to see Chris Dude. Lane or Dustin Lynch or whoever it was, you know? Yeah. Chris Lane was actually on that tour with me, too. Really? It was Dustin, Chris, it was Dustin, Chris, and I. Um, at that point, I wasn't doing the cards anymore um, because Spotify, everything was out. People could already get free music, you know? But yeah. uh, that... Dude, yeah, it's so true. And so many people do say no. Like, oh, no, I'm good. Yeah. They don't take your card. You know, they don't want to talk to you. But it is so true that it puts people in your corner. It puts strangers in your corner. Because then they're like, yeah, they get that personal story where, like, maybe one day this guy blows up and I'll remember this, you know. And, um, yeah, I got to think of what's the new version of that that I could do. Hey, you have my free album. Yeah. <laughs> million dollar marketing plan. <laughs> so you got hitched this past year our one year anniversary is next weekend on the 20th well congratulations i read some crazy thing that like steph curry was at your wedding yeah so <laughs> it's cool for many reasons because you know obviously from northern california yeah. the warriors you know um he he's the nicest human in the world and my wife's best friend is aisha his wife and so she aisha was in the wedding um and yeah, it was, and so like, so it was Mia, which is Darrell Wright's wife. Darrell uh, Wright was on the Warriors during those first championships and all that stuff. And yeah, we had a very strict rule because you know, like my uncles, my friends would hit me and be like, "Yo, dude, so if I wear a jersey under my suit, is it frowned upon to ask for an autograph?" Yeah. And I'm just like, "I will disown you as my family. <laughs> <laughs> Leave him alone." <laughs> But he was cool, man. He's, I mean, you know, like I saw a couple of people ask for pictures, but it was always organic and it was, yeah. and what, um, he's, he's just such a nice guy. And your wife is an actress. Correct. Yeah. So how's that dynamic? Is that an easy situation or is that a tough situation? Because you're on the road a lot. I assume that she's got early call times, you know, you're bouncing back and forth between Los Angeles and Nashville. Is it a tough situation or is it easier than you thought it would be? Um, the best part is that it's all we've ever known. So we've been long distance since the day we met. Um, we've had the same job since the day we met. We've been, uh, lucky enough to create our, in, our, you know, interesting situation as normal and uh, normal for us. We're on such a, somehow over these past four years, four and a half years, our timing has worked perfect and we don't know how it's been like her crazy shoots where she has to be you know on set for five weeks in a row happened to be a strange time in my year where i might actually have a few weeks off out of nowhere you know so that i'm with her in whatever city she's in and vancouver or whatnot and then as far as like our regular rotation though 
we're kind of like on a five day on seven days off thing where see each other. She'll come out for like a weekend of shows on the road and then maybe come for two days in Nashville. And then she goes home and then I'll split my two weeks off or I'll split my week off between two weeks over here in Nashville, either with her or alone or over there in LA with her alone. And until quarantine, man, we were together, you know, been together for almost six months straight for the most part. And so now is when it's going to get weird when life opens up again and is regular again, when we have to be, because now we feel like, Oh, this is what normal couples do. I remember this. You see each other every day. This is what normal marriages do. You see each other every day. But yeah, I don't know. Everybody always wonders, like, I just don't get it, man. I'd never be able to do that. And I think if we started on an everyday basis and then it turned into that, it'd be a lot harder than the way we, you know, got to do it. Yeah. That's cool that you guys are figuring out how to make it work. I'm running out of time with you. But I do want to close out the show with some rapid fire questions. You down with that? Yeah, man. Of course. All right. Rapid fire questions in the Wells cast with Tyler Rich. Here we go. Number one, what is your favorite pizza topping? Uh, pizza topping, pineapple. Do you have a favorite book? Oh, man. I'm so bad about reading books. The War of Art. Who was your first kiss? Oh, God. Her name was Melanie. It was Truth or Dare. <laughs> What's the first concert you ever went to? George Strait, eight years old. Really? Yeah. It was right when Pure Country, I might have been nine, it was right when Pure Country came out. That movie where he was, uh, I realize it's a chick flick now, but it was my favorite, one of my favorite movies when I was a little kid. And Dusty, he was Dusty in the movie. I never even knew he was a real singer. I just loved the soundtrack so much that my cousin took me to, my, to go see Dusty from Pure Country live in Sacramento. And uh, that was George Strait. What was your first car? Ford Thunderbird. Not the cool kind, it was a 92 baby blue round-bodied old mom's car. <laughs> Retired mom's vehicle. What was your first job? Papa Murphy's, take and bake pizza. Wow. What's your biggest pet peeve? Oh, man. When you hold the door for somebody or you very clearly stop and go out of your way so somebody else can go in front of you to do something and they just ignore you like that's what you're there to do. Yeah. Who's the most famous person in your contacts? Oh, man. Curry, Steffi, Steph. Is that what you call him, Steffi? I didn't mean to say that. I said Curry Steffi. <laughs> Steffi. I was like, I hope he didn't hear you say Steffi. Wait, hold on. You're so f***ing close to Steph Curry. You've got a nickname for him? Could you imagine? You're like, somebody steal his phone. Look for Steffi. <laughs> oh, God. When you win a Grammy, who are you going to thank first? Oh, man. Immediately, Sabina, for being like the greatest muse of all time. Um, and then my mom. What was your first record you ever bought? Uh, first disc was Bush 16 Stone. Oh, that was a good one. So good. Favorite Halloween candy? Oh, man. I've got the biggest sweet tooth in the world. Does it have to be Halloween month specific or are we talking candy in general? Just candy in general. I love candy, I love candy corn, but Red Vines, Red Vines liquor is just my jam. Twizzlers are, are good, but. You've got that big circular thing of Red Vines at your house? The tub. Yeah. And on tour at all times. Is that like the one thing in your rider? Five pound tub. I had to stop. I was like, actually, can I just get, can you get like single serving please for the rider? Five pound tub. Go. <laughs> just inhaling it. What's the weirdest superstition that you have? Every time I see 1111, I make a wish, which is, or I have a song that's 1111 make a wish, but I really do every time. My wife's extremely superstitious. You're not allowed to have your hats or your shoes on the bed or, and she won't, she won't split a pole with me. And so I've started not splitting poles with her. So maybe I guess I'm superstitious about that. I don't know. Split a pole. Are you guys dancers? What's happening here? <laughs> like the pole, like say there's a pole on a sidewalk or a bench or something. 
you can't walk on one side of each. You have to walk on the same side together around something. I don't know what it means if you don't, but she does it so much that I do it now. So I guess I am superstitious. Yeah. Or just afraid of her. I don't know. <laughs> I just thought you were talking about like being Spearmint Rhino and it's like, we're no, I get the pole now and then you can use it in the next song. All right. Who is your celebrity? <laughs> yeah. Who's your celebrity crush? Halsey. Really? Yeah. Sabina and I talk about this all the time. That's why I knew like on the fly. Halsey. I mean, I thought, I thought you were going to say Sabina, but uh, okay. That's, that works. Halsey's a way more interesting answer. <laughs> I've interviewed her. She's very nice. She's very wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler Rich, thanks so much for being on the Wells cast. The new record is called 2000 Miles. Go download it, stream it, buy it on, I don't know. Can people buy records anymore? Is it available via vinyl you can get it on the itunes store cool. uh, and we're working on vinyl before the holidays got it smart is there anything that you wanted to talk about or promote that i didn't ask you about no i mean based off quarantine the only thing i got going on is this album that just came out yeah we covered it <laughs> where do people follow you on social media everything is just tyler rich except for twitter that's tyler rich music but yeah t-y-l-e-r-r-s-c-h and if I follow you on Instagram and then send you a DM, will you send me a free download to your song radio? 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> Easiest thing in the world now. <laughs> I want to close out the show with uh, the song that's absolutely blowing up. Here's the difference. Tyler, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Yeah, man. Great to chat, man. Thanks for having me. That was awesome. You rock, dude. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of sleeping on us. I'm over dodging this crush I'm sick of waiting 10 minutes just to text you back So you don't get to thinking that I'm too attached to more than benefit friends I'm more than just a weekend binge I want you to be my hottie, riding shoddy I don't want nobody's body But your body, babe, all I'm trying to say is There's a difference between Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, Tanner Girl Go Shopping. Yeah. Wait, did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.